Welcome back to The Emily Show. And as great as my editors are, I probably still sound a little congested to you because I am. It's just that time of year and it's Dave Matthews season. So the fact that I have a voice at all is kind of a miracle. So today we are going to use all of this loveliness to talk about Alec Murdoch being federally indicted on 22 counts and his buddy, Corey Fleming, also getting federally indicted and immediately taking a plea deal. That is what we are covering today, so stay tuned. There is a lot to talk about, and we're going to maybe do a little bit of a breakdown on what's wire fraud, what's bank fraud, and what does conspiracy mean anyway. But it's it's been a while. I'm not surprised we're seeing federal indictments for Alec Murdoch, are you? I mean, it's typical feds, right? He admits to just about all of this stuff in his trial, and the feds grab the transcript and are like, ah, you admitted to crimes. Time to indict. So we're going to go through all of that today. Let's get into it. Welcome to The Emily Show. I'm Emily D. Baker, the internet's go-to legal analyst and big fan of the cursey words. I've been a licensed attorney for over 17 years. I'm a former prosecutor, and I break down the legal side of pop culture and entertainment stories we can't stop talking about. We should just get into it. Let's go. Thank you to today's sponsor, NordVPN. As we get into the summer travel season, you might be rapidly trying to download apps for your kids or for yourself while you are at the airport, but that Wi-Fi is not your friend. Lots of information is transmitted through unsecure Wi-Fi, and NordVPN does not slow down your browsing. It also protects against the most common attacks that you'll see. Man-in-the-middle attacks are the most common where cyber criminals can access your data when you're connecting to those helpful free Wi-Fi ports. So use NordVPN to encrypt your data as it goes flying through the interwebs. And it's risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. You can get a great deal now at nordvpn.com slash emilydbaker or use code emilydbaker to get your exclusive deal. Don't forget to download NordVPN before you go on your travels today. Let's get back to today's episode. Don't worry. For those of you that listened to the intro and were like, girl, but who is Corey Fleming again? I've got you. We're going to do a refresher on who Corey Fleming is and what he has pled to now. And then we're going to get into the 22 count indictment for Alec Murdoch. So let's talk Corey Fleming. Corey Fleming is Alec Murdoch's buddy from law school. And when Alec Murdoch had to, well, I guess he didn't have to, when he decided to have the Satterfield sons sue him after Gloria Satterfield fell at Moselle and then later died as a result of that fall, he recommended them to Corey Fleming. This is not the only person he did this with where he's like, oh, hey, I know somebody. Did he disclose the nature of their relationship? No. Did he disclose that this was his bestie? No. Did the two of them basically act as co-counsel on the Satterfield case? Yes. Corey Fleming has since been disbarred in two jurisdictions. Corey Fleming has been indicted on um, over 22 different counts in the state of South Carolina. Corey Fleming and his former law firm have settled with the Satterfield estate at this point. And they agreed when they settled back in 2021 to pay back all their legal fees and expenses that they recovered from the Satterfield settlement and that their malpractice insurance carrier would pay full policy limits. 
So with regard to Gloria Satterfield's sons, the policy limits for the malpractice policy were paid out. All the fees and expenses were paid back. That part of the civil case was handled. The disbarment was handled. But this is the first time we're really looking at Corey Fleming potentially going to prison. I'm wondering if he pled guilty so that he would serve his time in a federal white-collar prison instead of going to state prison because he's facing substantially more counts in the state of South Carolina. He had to have known this was coming. He was previously indicted with Alec Murdoch and Russell Lafitte. Russell Lafitte has also been prosecuted federally, has been convicted after trial federally. There is no getting around this because the state and the feds are coming for Alec Murdoch and his entire network of people who helped him perpetrate this fraud. He did not do these things alone, especially when it comes to the financial crimes. He had help. It was Corey Fleming who took the settlement with the Satterfields to the judge without ever telling the Satterfields about it, not Alec Murdoch. Corey Fleming's the one who facilitated it being deposited into the Forge account. Yes, Alec Murdoch then took the money, but Corey Fleming got hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars of legal fees in this case as well. So when we're talking about Corey Fleming, he was partners in crime, or at least that's what's alleged here, with Alec Murdoch. And though it seems that Alec realized he was the one going down and he's been trying to cover for Corey Fleming in the things he said in trial and elsewhere, the feds aren't having it. The state, a state jury is not going to have it if he doesn't plead on his state charges. And well, it seems that the general public and the court of public opinion isn't having it either. And if it is, then Alec Murdoch fucked over all of his friends too, right? It's like being friends with Tom Sandoval. Everyone's going down in this. Emily, are, are you comparing Vanderpump rules to wire fraud and federal crimes? I mean, a little bit just because we're still in the middle of the Vanderpump reunions. And it's it's what's on my brain, truly. Let's talk about this plea agreement and what Corey Fleming was indicted on before we get to Alec Murdoch's indictment. This is the indictment, the federal indictment in South Carolina for Corey Fleming that we're looking at for the audio only. I will let you know what I am reading from the indictment. This is a one, two, three, four, five count information that states at all relevant times in this information, Richard Alexander Murdoch was a personal injury attorney with the quote unquote law firm located in Hampton, South Carolina. Footnote one, Richard Alexander Murdoch has been charged for his role in this scheme in a separate indictment. I love that they just called it the law firm. They don't call it PMPED. They don't call it the former law firm. They just The feds are just like the quote unquote law firm. Defendant Corey Fleming is a personal injury and criminal defense attorney who worked with his law firm in Beaufort, South Carolina, here and after quote unquote Beaufort law firm. Defendant Corey Fleming and Richard Alexander Murdoch were close friends. Forge Consulting LLC is a company which specializes in brokering structured insurance settlements. Everyone paid attention to the real Forge testimony during the murder trial. We all now well know the difference between real Forge and fake Forge. If you didn't watch the trial and you have no idea why everyone paid such close attention to the real Forge, you're going to have to go back and watch the trial. It's all up on my YouTube channel. Bank of America is a financial institution. On September 22nd, 2015, 
Uh, Richard Alexander Murdaugh opened a bank account at Bank of America titled Forge, but the bank account had no legitimate affiliation with Forge Consulting. Murdaugh was the only authorized signer on the quote-unquote fake Forge account. I love that the feds are now just calling it fake Forge. Fake Forge! Everyone's just calling it fake Forge. On the fake Forge account was listed as the owner of the account on the signature card. Murdaugh opened, quote, fake Forge as part of a scheme to defraud his clients and his law firm by transferring settlement checks directly into the fake Forge account, making it appear that the funds are being transferred into legitimate accounts run by Forge Consulting. That started in 2015, y'all. Fake Forge started in 2015. Beginning in May 2017 and continuing until July 2018, Murdaugh used Fake Forge to steal thousands of dollars in settlement funds from his personal injury clients. The first Fake Forge account was forced to close in July 2018 after being overdrawn. So in 2018, the first Fake Forge closed and he's like, here's an idea, let's make another one? What? The first Fake Forge account was forced closed in July 2018 after being overdrawn. After the first Fake Forge account was closed, Murdaugh opened a second Fake Forge account with B of A in August 2018. Murdaugh was the only authorized signer and was listed as the owner on the signature card. Murdaugh continued to use Fake Forge to steal millions of dollars from personal injury clients. Defendant Fleming had no knowledge of the, quote, Fake Forge account or Murdaugh's scheme to steal his clients' money through the accounts. But you're charging him with conspiracy? So, how are you saying he had no knowledge of the fake Forge account or the scheme to steal? Because at some point, you charge him with stealing. Let's keep reading. The scheme to defraud the estate of Gloria Satterfield. In the indictment, they call Gloria Satterfield G period S. I'm going to refer to this as the Satterfield account and the Satterfield sons, because that is how I've referred to it through everything. And my brain is too on cold medicine to switch. February 26, 2018, Murdaugh's housekeeper, Satterfield, a person known to the United States attorney, died following what was reported as a slip and fall down the stairs of a home owned by Murdaugh caused by his dogs. Murdaugh recommended that the Satterfield sons uh, hire Corey Fleming to represent them and submit a claim against Murdaugh to collect from his homeowner's insurance. Lloyds of London and Nautilus Insurance are both companies that offer property and casualty insurance. Murdaugh had insurance coverage on his homeowner's policy from Lloyd's and Nautilus. And then they go through the fact that those insurance paid out. In March 2018, through a date unknown, but up until at least October 2020, in the District of South Carolina, Murdaugh and Fleming and others known and unknown, knowingly, intentionally combined, conspired, confederated, agreed, and had a tacit understanding with others both known and unknown, this is all the conspiracy language, and engaged in a scheme, plan, or artifice to defraud the estate of Satterfield and to obtain money and property from the estate by means of materially false and fraudulent pretenses. This is all the crime language. That is all the conspiracy and the fraud language all slapped in there together. And they then allege that all of that was done through the wires in violation of 18 U.S.C. 1343, which is your wire fraud statute. We'll go through what that means in a minute. As a part of the scheme in November 2018, Murdaugh requested that the vice president at Palmetto State Bank, <laughs> yeah, a person known to the United States, you've already prosecuted him. So that has already been prosecuted. But the vice president of Palmetto State Bank, PSB, um served as the personal representative of the estate of Satterfield. 
at Murdoch's direction, Satterfield's son renounced his duties as representative, allowing the vice president, Mr. Lafitte, to serve as personal representative. December 4th, 2018, Lloyd settled the claim for $505,000. December 19th, 2018, the Lloyd settlement and as a part of a scheme to defraud, the vice president was appointed to serve as PR of the estate of Satterfield. The PR endorsed the $505,000 check to the Beaufort law firm, giving Corey Fleming control over the funds. On January 17th, 2019, as part of the scheme, Fleming submitted a fraudulent disbursement sheet to the circuit court outlining the disbursement of settlement funds. The fraudulent disbursement sheet outlined $11,000 in prosecution expenses. However, there were no legitimate expenses. On January 7th, at Murdaugh's direction, Fleming issued a check made payable to quote-unquote forge for $403,500 of the settlement from Lloyd's. On January 19th, 2019, Murdaugh deposited the check into fake forge. March 2019, following mediation, Nautilus agreed to settle the estate for $3.8 million. On April 19th, Nautilus drafted a check to the PR, Lafitte, and then that went to Fleming, and then Fleming took control of the funds. On March 13th, 2019, Fleming submitted a fraudulent disbursement sheet to the court, attaching it to the petition of approved settlement. The disbursement sheet did not reflect the accurate distribution of the funds. The disbursement sheet fraudulently outlined the disbursement of $1.35 million in attorney's fees and $2.765 to the estate. Fleming collected approximately $672,000 in attorney's fees, less than half the attorney's fees he reported. Uh, the May 2013 disbursement sheet further outlined, is that date right? I think that's meant to be 2019, May 13th, 2019. I think that's a typo in the indictment, actually. Um, the May, I think it's 2019, disbursement sheet further outlined 105000 in prosecution expenses. However, there were no legitimate expenses. So they're going after him for these fraudulent disbursement forms. That makes more sense. That's easier for them to prove. On May 13th, 2019, Murdaugh, um, at Murdaugh's direction, Fleming issued a check made payable to fake forge. It doesn't say fake forge, it just says forge. For 2.9 plus million. On May 15th, Murdaugh deposited the check into fake forge. In October 2020, the party signed a stipulation of dismissal. On October 6, 2020, at Murdaugh's direction, Fleming issued a check made payable to Forge for 118000 As part of the scheme, Fleming directed the drafting of checks from his trust account from funds belonging to the estate to his personal bank account. Hmm, that's a problem. Fleming fraudulently claimed the disbursement of settlement funds from his trust were to pay for valid expenses related to the estate claim against Murdaugh in three separate transactions totaling $26,000. Defendant Fleming fraudulently transferred settlement funds belonging to the estate to his personal account, knowing the funds belonged to the estate and there were no legitimate expenses. As a further part of the scheme, at Murdaugh's direction, Fleming fraudulently retained more than $150,000 in quote-unquote prosecution expenses in his trust account for the benefit and personal enrichment of Fleming and Murdaugh. And then they go through the rest of the scheme about how money is made. Count one is wire fraud or conspiracy to commit wire fraud. And that is it. A one count indictment for Corey Fleming. Let's go take a look at the plea sheet that has been um, sub that is publicly available now. 
And this plea sheet is signed May 25th, 2023. Just if it helps, he is indicted. I mean, he obviously knew this was coming. He is indicted May 23rd. He has a plea on May 25th. They were chit-chatting about this before that indictment ever came down, you better believe. This is for the Districts of South Carolina, Beaufort Division, Corey Fleming plea. Quote, the defendant acknowledges receipt of a copy of the information and after arraignment pleads guilty to the information in open court. That is the plea. Corey Fleming pled guilty in open court. Here is the breakdown of the plea agreement. This was submitted by the court on the 24th the day after, oh no, these are all signed on the 22nd. These are signed the day before the indictment gets unsealed. Emily, keep reading. These are signed before the indictment, before the information, apologies, before the information ever gets unsealed. So Corey Fleming knew that he was going to plea and then get indicted. So he he agreed to plea. Then they filed the information on one count. Then they entered the plea in open court. So May 22nd, he agrees to this plea deal. May 23rd, the information is filed in court. May 25th, he goes into court and pleads guilty to a one-count information. Alec Murdoch's information, indictment, is 22 counts. Emily, what's the difference between an information and indictment? Glad you asked. Happy to tell you. And information indicates that the attorneys have filed it. It has not gone to a grand jury. It has just been charges filed on the information. An indictment is after a grand jury. That is the difference between the two. So this did not go to a grand jury. This was sorted out before it was ever filed. All right, let's look at the plea agreement signed with the feds. Plea agreement made this 22nd day of May between the United States attorney as represented by, or between the United States of America as represented by United States attorney Adir uh, Borges, I think, um, assistant United States attorney Emily Limehouse, Katie Strawhorn, Winston Holiday, and defendant Corey Fleming and his attorney. In consideration of the mutual promises made herein, the parties agree as follows. This is what he pled to, one count of conspiracy. Defendant agreed with one or more persons to commit wire fraud, did so knowingly, and an overt act was committed in the District of South Carolina. The penalty for this offense is a maximum term of five years in prison, a $250,000 fine, and supervised release for three years. Defendant understands and agrees that monetary penalties imposed by the court are due and payable immediately. And then it goes through all the different fees. The defendant understands that obligations of the government within the plea agreement are expressly contingent on defendants ab abiding by federal and state laws, complying with the bond executed in this case. In the event defendant fails to comply, any and all provisions of this agreement either express or imply with the government, um, sorry, either express or implied, the government will have the right at its sole election to void the plea. Cooperation. Defendant agrees to be fully truthful and forthright with federal, state, and local law enforcement agency by providing full, complete, and truthful information about all criminal activities which he or she has knowledge. Read between the lines on that. Defendant will fully cooperate with the prosecution of Alec Murdoch, though 
Alec Murdoch fully cooperated with the prosecution of Alec Murdoch in his murder trial, where he admitted to all these financial crimes to try to get off on the murder crime, my opinion. So Alec kind of already spoke on himself under oath, but this is further cooperation. The feds love, love, love a snitch. Love it. The feds love someone who's going to take a deal to save their own ass and testify against somebody. Love it. Especially when he's not facing more charges. They're like, great, go ahead. So this is basically, you will testify truthfully. The defendant must also testify fully and truthfully before any grand juries, any trials or other proceedings have called upon. We will not see him sentenced for a while because they will keep him on the hook until they are done with Murdoch. So this plea agreement is a testify truthfully plea agreement. The parties agree that the total amount of monies received by the defendant and his former law firm are $676,255.59, which have been disgorged to the victim in this case. The victim has already been paid back. And that we know because Eric Bland has already verified that Corey Fleming and his law firm have made the Sons of Gloria Satterfield whole. So do I think the feds went after Corey Fleming so he would testify against Murdoch and they could have, hold something over him? Yeah. Did he also commit crimes? Yeah. Merger and other provisions. Provided the defendant cooperates and otherwise complies with all the conditions of this agreement, the government agrees to recommend that the defendant serve any and all terms of imprisonment imposed as a result of his conduct and plea of guilty to the offense herein, as well as any related conduct or convictions for violations of state law, absent any terms of probation or supervised release concurrently in the Bureau of Prisons. Hey, it goes on to say the government further agrees and recommends that defendant will not serve any term of incarceration within the South Carolina Department of Corrections. Hey, hey, feds, feds, tell the state, I don't want to go to prison in South Carolina. I don't know what's up with the prisons in South Carolina, but everybody would rather go to federal prison than South Carolina prison. So I bet you that he and his attorneys pled with a swiftness, didn't I say this at the beginning of this podcast, so that he could serve his time in federal prison. He was like, please, please send me to Club Fed. Yes, federal prison is still prison, but a federal white-collar prison camp and a state penitentiary are two very different things. And he absolutely said, get me out of state prison. I want to go to federal prison. He is still out on bond, pending the state charges. So now he is ready. He has positioned himself so that if he resolves the state cases for a plea deal, the feds have recommended he serve all of his time even if it's more time than five years, he serves all of his time in federal custody and none of his time in state custody, even if it's on state crimes. That is a specific agreement of his plea deal. This is exactly what he and his lawyers want. This is the best outcome they could have hoped for. What is the best outcome for Corey Fleming? This. This is his best outcome. That goes on to say the obligations of the United States in this paragraph are contingent upon the defendant's truthful cooperation. If you cooperate, we will make sure that you can get to federal prison. And they are also advising concurrent sentencing. So the state and the federal prison run at the same time, which makes sense because he would then be convicted in the state and 
federal for similar crimes. Now we've got some questions of he's only pled to one count of conspiracy. So the state crimes, he has 22 state crimes. There are other things in there, other types of fraud. So they won't necessarily be double punishment for the same thing, but it's for the same uh, cause of conduct. And all of this, all of the stuff that Corey Fleming is in, all of the shit he hath wrought for himself is coming out of these transactions with Alec Murdoch. So he is ready to go to federal prison. He's like, send me to prison. And so this continues to break down the rest of his plea agreement, what he can get, what he can't get. This does not guarantee an amount of sentencing. The court will do that. And this is signed by Fleming, his lawyer, and the U.S. attorney on May 22nd, the day before he's actually indicted. Or no, the day before the information is filed. We need to take a pause to thank our sponsor, and then we need to talk a little bit about Alec Murdoch. Thank you to today's sponsor, Thrive Cosmetics. I'm so excited by their Bigger Than Beauty launch, where the cosmetics that you love now has branched into skincare. Bigger Than Beauty skincare features dermatologist recommended formulas that deliver transformative results. I've really been enjoying the Defying Gravity Lifting Eye Cream because look, these eyes can use a little bit of lift. It's getting to that stage in life. And it's summer where I want to make sure that I am looking fresh and well-rested, even if I haven't had time to get on vacation yet. It has green tea and caffeine to help reduce puffiness, which is always something I struggle with and can also help with dullness and dark circles. It's great for all skin types as it plumps up the skin to deliver a well-rested appearance. Simplify your routine and amplify your impact with the brand new skincare line that's bigger than beauty. Get 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash EDB. That's Thrive, C-A-U-S-E, medics.com slash EDB for 20% off your first order. All right, let's get back to today's episode. So let's talk about Alec Murdoch. Alec Murdoch has also been indicted, but on 22 different counts, Alec Murdoch didn't get a deal before this 28 page indictment landed. Murdoch was indicted at the federal level by grand jury, different than Corey Fleming, where the agreement was made beforehand. And then that one count information was dropped and nothing else. Could there have been more with regard to Corey Fleming? Yes. Did he make a deal to avoid that? It very much seems so to me. So before we talk about Murdoch's 22-count indictment, let's talk a little bit about what each of these crimes are, shall we? So first, we're going to see conspiracy counts here. Conspiracy is the illegal agreement, the illicit agreement, plus an act towards that agreement. So you'll see that language as we go through. I'm not going to break it down any further than that. Why? Because we really don't need to. There are also bank fraud charges here under 18 U.S.C. 1344, which is Whoever knowingly executes or attempts to execute a scheme or artifice, one, to defraud a financial institution, or two, to obtain any of the monies, funds, credits, assets, securities, or property owned by or under the custody of or control of a financial institution by means of false or fraudulent pretenses, representation, and promises that shall be punished by up to a million dollar fine or up to 30 years in prison or both. When you ask about what kinds of offenses do the feds take seriously, bank fraud is up there. 
Does it have anything to do with FDIC insurance? Why? That would that would be conspiratorial of me to say that that they get real mad at bank fraud because they have to deal with the fallout of bank fraud because banks are insured, well, should be insured by the FDIC. And that's a federal agency and these are federal crimes. But, you know, 30 years, 30 years, an attempt to defraud a financial institution or obtain monies in a financial institution by fraud, bank fraud. Let's talk about wire fraud. Emily, these crimes seem really broad. It's like a lot could fit under them. Yes, that's how federal white collar crimes work. They are very broad. So the government can kind of use all of the things to kind of shoehorn the crimes right on in there. All right, mail and wire fraud. 18 USC 1343, if I was a Fed, would this be my absolute favorite crime or would it be second to conspiracy? Hmm. It might be second to conspiracy, but it would be a close second. It would be a close second. Wire fraud is a very broad statute that encompasses a whole lot of behavior. Jen Shaw, wire fraud. Elizabeth Holmes, wire fraud. Vastly different behavior. Same charges. Fraud by wire, radio, or television. I know these laws were written a long time ago when radio was like actually still a thing. Yes, yes, I know radio is still a thing. This was added to the penal code in 1952. Whoever having devised or intended to devise any scheme or artifice to defraud or for obtaining money or property by means of false or fraudulent pretenses, representations, or promises transmit or causes to be transmitted by means of wire, radio, or television communication in interstate or foreign commerce, any writings, signs, signals, pictures, or sounds for the purpose of executing such a scheme or artifice shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than 20 years or both. If the violation occurs in relation to or involving any benefit authorized, transported, transmitted, transferred, dispersed, or paid with a presidentially declared major disaster or emergency, then it is 30 years and a million. So if you are defrauding people in connection with a natural disaster or disaster relief, it's a 10-year kind of additional because you get an additional time. But if you are just defrauding the normal peoples, just defrauding the peoples, it is a max of 20 years or a fine or both. So that is your basic wire fraud. We've covered bank fraud. We've covered conspiracy. Let's cover the last thing we will see here, which is money laundering, which is trying to hide the source of money. But that's under 18 USC 1956. Laundering of monetary instruments. This is not just accidentally leaving money in your pocket when you put your pants into the wash. Also, who uses cash anymore? But it's not that. A, whoever knowing that the property involved in a financial transaction represents the proceeds of some form of unlawful activity, conducts or attempts to conduct such a financial transaction, which in fact involves the proceeds of specific unlawful activity with the intent to promote the carrying on of a specific unlawful activity or with intent to engage in conduct constituting a violation of other subsections of the Internal Revenue Code or knowing that the transaction is designed in whole or in part to one, conceal or disguise the nature, location, or source, or ownership, or control of the proceeds, or to avoid a transaction reporting requirement under state or federal law. 
oftentimes, oftentimes, when you see money laundering, it is that subsection B2 to avoid transaction reporting. You'll see people structure um, structure movements of money under the reporting amount. And so you'll see lots of these little transactions that don't trigger that requiring, don't trigger that reporting. But you'll also see to conceal the nature of money when you see money moved around to lots of different accounts. So those are your most typical types of money laundering to conceal where the money is coming from. And so those are the charges that we are dealing with in the Murdaugh indictment. Before we get into our last part of the podcast today, we do need to thank our third sponsor. Now that we've done a little law lesson, hopefully it made sense. It made sense in my brain. I hope it made sense in your brain. If it didn't, leave me a comment and I will explain crimes more soon. Thank you to our sponsor, Fast Growing Trees. Look, I love a good landscaping, both indoors and outdoors. And fastgrowingtree.com's plant experts curate thousands of easy-to-grow plant, shrub, and tree varieties for your unique climate. From Meyer lemons to evergreens and everything in between, they make it so easy to find the plants, trees, and shrubberies that will thrive for you. Plus, I don't have to try to get all the plants into my car, which won't fit, and I don't have to try to lift them all up. And with Fast Growing Trees 30-Day Alive and Thrive Guarantee, you know everything will look great and fresh right out of the box. Join the over 1.5 million happy Fast Growing Tree customers. Go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash now to get 15% off your entire order. That's right, 15% off your entire order at fastgrowingtrees.com slash Lawnard. I can't wait to hear what you've picked because right now I am loving my alligator fern. They are so cool. All right, let's get back to today's episode. Am I going to go over every word of this indictment? No, it is a 28-page indictment. We are going to go over some of it. This is a 22-count indictment for the feds. Now, the question you're probably going to ask, Emily, Corey Fleming wanted to plead guilty so that he could go to federal prison. Alec Murdaugh is in state prison. We know that he's been transported there. He's been convicted of two homicides. If Alec Murdaugh pled guilty to these charges, could he get transferred to federal prison? Well, he might try to do that. However, he has now been convicted of violent crimes in addition to what would be the financial crimes. So his the level of federal prison he would qualify for would be very different than someone like Corey Fleming, who only has financial crimes. So it's a different story because of those murder convictions. Had those murder convictions not happened, if those murder convictions get overturned and not retried for some reason, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but if it did and it was just financial crimes, that is a different scenario than him also having the murder convictions. Could he try to plea to get moved to federal prison? Yes. Would that movement to federal prison be a camp-level, white-collar type prison like you're seeing a Todd Chrisley or an Elizabeth Holmes at? No. It would be a very different level of federal prison. And I don't know if Alec Murdoch wants to do that. So those murder counts make it so that he is not going to have the same type of experience, if that makes sense. So let's take a look at the behavior that's being alleged in this 22-count indictment for Alec Murdoch. First, the background. 
Background on the scheme to defraud through Palmetto State Bank. Defendant Alec Murdaugh was a personal injury attorney with the quote-unquote law firm located in Hampton, South Carolina as a personal injury attorney. Sorry, located in Hampton, South Carolina. As a personal injury attorney, Alec Murdaugh represented individuals in civil claims following injury, death, and other loss. Palmetto State Bank, PSB, headquartered in Hampton, is a financial institution as defined by Title 18 of the U.S. Code, Section 20. Russell Lucius, like Malfoy, Lafitte began working with PSB in 1997. He served as a bank teller loan officer until he became executive vice president and COO, chief operating officer, in 2015. In 2020, Lafitte became the CEO of PSB. Lafitte also served on PSB's executive committee responsible for reviewing and approving large loan applications, as well as on its board of directors. In early 2022, PSB terminated Russell Lafitte's employment. At all times relevant to this indictment, Lafitte served as an officer, director, agent, and employee of an FDIC-insured financial institution as defined under Title 18. As both a director and executive officer, Lafitte was responsible for managing PSB's Hampton branch, including its day-to-day operations. We heard a lot about Lafitte in the trial. And footnote one says, Russell Lucius Lafitte, was convicted of multiple related charges in November 2022 and is awaiting sentencing. Yep. Yep. The name is giving villain vibes. I mean, he's already been convicted. He has been. But remember, the CFO for PMPED law firm is Lafitte's, like, sister-in-law and testified against him at the federal trial. So this this whole thing is a mess, but he came up quite a lot in the murder trial when they were talking about the financial crimes. Alec Murdoch's Alec Murdoch. It said, given Alec Murdoch's longstanding relationship with PSB and Lafitte's role as manager at the Hampton branch, Murdoch and Lafitte established a close, quote unquote, professional relationship. I think they're saying professional in quotes because they're alleging that they did fraudy fraud shit together. So they're like, well, it was professional and criminal is the subtext I read into that. Lafitte served as Murdaugh's primary point of contact at PSB. He handled nearly all of Murdaugh's banking needs, including negotiating checks and extending loans. Murdaugh and the law firm asked Lafitte to serve as personal representative for various personal injury clients of the law firm, including, and these are um, names of clients, APHPNT, HPY, MW, and the estate of DB2, footnote two, persons known to the grand jury. AB, a beneficiary of the estate of DB and a person known to the grand jury, and the estate of DB both obtained settlements following lawsuits. So these are, the grand jury knows who each of these clients are and knows what happened. So this is a spat of of individuals that were stolen from, that were clients of Alec Murdoch and the estates of clients of Alec Murdoch. And this goes through the whole scheme about how Alec Murdoch would move money into Palmetto State Bank and use Palmetto State Bank to execute this fraud while they were also using Lafitte as the personal representative to not tell anyone what was going on. HP and AP are two of the clients here, and they say Murdoch requested Lafitte serve as conservator for personal injury clients who receive funds following settlements and civil lawsuits. As conservator, Lafitte maintained bank accounts at PSB for the conservatorships. 
Lafitte collected approximately 140,000 in conservator fees from AP and 113,000 in conservatorship fees from HP. While serving as conservator for HP beginning on July 18th, 2011, Lafitte extended 10 loans from the conservatorship accounts to himself, totaling $355,000. Lafitte never sought approval from the probate court to extend these loans and never notified the law firm of the loans. He never notified HP of the loans. Lafitte used his conservatorship and personal representative fees from other personal injury clients to pay off some of the loans. When HP turned 18 years old, Lafitte had to pay back the entirety of the loans. Lafitte credited his fees for serving as conservator to reduce the amount owed on the loans. He then received $245,000 in a private loan from a third party to pay back the loans to HP in full. Lafitte is still paying off the private loan from a third party. While serving as a conservator, Lafitte extended 16 unsecured loans to Murdaugh, totaling 963000 from the conservatorship account. This is a conservatorship set up for a minor who was injured. And they were just taking loans out of the account, which, if any of you are questioning, you can't fucking do. But they never told the court. The lawyers never knew. And round and round, the fuckery goes with the money in these accounts. This is why he's been convicted federally. This behavior goes on for client after client after client. With regard to client DB, Lafitte served as the personal representative for the estate of DB and collected $35,000 for his role as representative, although he did not manage any money for the estate and had very limited interaction. He still paid himself over $30,000. Following the settlement of a civil lawsuit for the estate, the law firm issued one large check for $1.325 million to PSB to fund a structured settlement. Murdaugh directed Lafitte to email him and request that the law firm recut the check in the amounts determined by Murdaugh. Lafitte complied with Murdaugh's request and sent a separate email requesting a disbursement check be recut accordingly. Murdaugh then forwarded Lafitte's email to the law firm employees and the check was divided. Lafitte then negotiated and distributed checks at Murdaugh's direction for his personal benefit, including over $380,000 to a third party to repay a private loan. This is client settlement funds. Client settlement funds that are going directly to repay a private loan. $480,000 transferred to HP's account to repay the loans. So this is full on. You're like, Emily, why does this sound familiar? Girardi, that's why it sounds familiar. 480000 of this client settlement then went to the HP conservatorship to cover that money. 75000 to Murdaugh's father. 75000 to Murdaugh's wife. 34000 in a wire transfer to 4M Iron LLC. 8000 to another individual associated with Murdaugh. 29000 to Honey Creek Motors. 49000 to Southern Crane. 250000 in checks transferred to Murdaugh's personal checking account. This settlement should have gone in to the client. And instead, they are cutting these checks to everyone else to pay off all of their other debts. On October 28, 2021, Lafitte wrote a check for $680,000 to the law firm for his role in negotiating the checks from the estate of the settlement, an amount representing half, half of the loss sustained by the estate. Half. And they represent client after client after client. 
with the same kind of checks being cashed out and paid all over the place, not going into the what are supposed to be protected client accounts. In some instances, protected conservatorship accounts. And then we get to all of the counts of wire fraud, bank fraud, and conspiracy. A lot of these counts echo the counts that Alec Murdoch has been charged with at the state level. And some of the counts he's already pled to, some of the stuff he hasn't specifically addressed in his testimony in the murder case, but some of it he has. Um, I just wanted to go to the money laundering and see what they're alleging there. Because this also alleges wire fraud with regard to Gloria Satterfield. Money laundering. The grand jury further charges. The allegations contained in paragraphs 1 through 29 and 51, including all subparts, are incorporated as above. And then they go into list everything that Murdoch did as part of the money laundering scheme. And this was mostly moving money into the fake forge account at B of A. So there are checks from August 31st, 2018 through May 12th, 2021, moving money into the B of A account. So there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 different instances where they are alleging money laundering. The largest amount they are alleging here is $2.9 million deposited on May 15th, 2019 into Fake Forge. That is related to the Satterfield settlement. Then they allege all the counts of forfeiture. Good luck finding anything to forfeit at this late date. Feds, good luck to you. Good luck to the IRS when they seek to do that. So that is the new 22-count indictment against Alec Murdoch, not just alleging behavior with regard to Gloria Satterfield's estate, but with many other clients that he was stealing from. Whether or not the feds will pursue this before we see the state pursue this, I don't know. Whether his lawyers will negotiate some kind of universal settlement to settle the state charges and the federal charges is more likely at this point. I don't think we will see Alec Murdoch going to trial again, but we could. I think he will very much try to negotiate a settlement for the, well, it was over 100 state charges. It was like 110 state charges last time I counted. Now another 20, so we're at like 130 different charges against him, including the feds. The IRS hasn't even said anything yet. I'm waiting for the IRS to be like, excuse me, I'm here too, because the state tax agencies are already coming for Alec Murdoch. So I think we'll see federal tax crimes at some point. I just don't know when. But Alec Murdoch is going to have to wait for that shoe to drop before he can do a settlement with all of these, because there's no doubt in my mind that the IRS is going to come for Alec Murdoch. But years after all these years of fuckery, there are federal charges now. And I think it's largely because they have Corey Fleming to testify to all of this. Russell Lafitte's already successfully been prosecuted, and Alec Murdoch said he did most of it in his own murder trial. This is not a hard prosecution for the feds. I'm not surprised that they brought it through grand jury. Let me know what your questions are down below. Let me know what you think of this. I Look, Murdoch's been convicted of murder, but we are not done with the audacity of this man because the theft from clients is still spilling out and the tax consequences of that are going to continue to spill out. So with that, I hope you're feeling better than I am today. 
<laughs> or at least sounding better than I am today. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a law nerd. Look, may your toilet paper be plentiful. May your Wi-Fi be strong. May your families be well. May you eat, drink, and be merry with your friends for summer concerts. They are my favorite time of year. And may the odds be ever in your favor. Maybe you'll get a set list in the pit. Maybe you'll catch a drumstick from Carter. If I see you out on the road this summer, please do say hi, and I will see you in the next one. Thanks for being here, and thanks for being a Lawnard. You can find more Lawnard goodness in our private Lawnard community over at lawnardsunite.com. And if you want to stay up to date with everything I'm covering, you can follow me on social media at the Emily D. Baker. I stream on YouTube on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and I recap those streams for those of you a little pressed for time over on the Quick Bits podcast and Quick Bits YouTube channel. Thanks for being a Lawnard.